So being able to articulate the kind of person that you work with, the kinds of challenges or problems that you help them with, and then a quick example of the results that you get. The value of having a statement like that is that it attracts the right fit clients to you. You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 339. And today we're going to show you how to use your OI to increase your sales. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's your host, Melanie Benson. And today I've got a special guest joining us to share something that I think is so profoundly valuable, how to leverage your ROI, your return on investment, so that you're increasing sales and making it even more valuable for your potential clients to invest in you. Such a brilliant strategy. I love this conversation so much. Before we jump in, really understanding your value proposition is a essential part of developing a six, seven, or even eight-figure business, and it's one of the frameworks that you have to master as part of an expert-based business. Now, I have a seven-step framework that I've been teaching over and over and over again for 20 years. It's the very framework I use to grow my business into my first six figures, then multiple six figures, then seven-figure business. And the best part about it is it's all leveraging your unique superpower. This is how you stay true to yourself and leverage the thing that is your unique sales advantage and amplify your impact your income, and your influence with this simple seven-step framework. And I'm going to show you what the seven-step framework is if you go to amplifywithmelanie.com. It's absolutely free. It's my gift to you. But promise me this, when you download it, that you will put it into action and then join me in the Facebook group that goes with this tool and tell us how you're going to use it. Tell us what's working and take advantage of the resources and additional tips and support in the group so you can actually start making a greater impact and get paid really well in the process. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back Amplifiers. Today you are in for a real treat. We're going to give you insight into something that's going to amplify your sales, three ways to make it easy for clients to invest by learning how to showcase your ROI. That's return on investment. Let me introduce you to my guest. Her name is Lisa Ann Edwards, and she's an award-winning coach and the founder and CEO of MyExcelia, the first and only automated system that helps coaches, consultants, and leadership experts prove their real financial ROI so they can make it easy for clients to invest with them. Now, she's the former head of talent management for a Bill Gates-owned global media company, which is where she learned firsthand the importance of effective people development programs. When senior executives cut all the programs because they couldn't see bottom line results, we hear that all the time, right? 
working on ROI projects with some of the most recognizable brands in the world, like Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Gates Foundation, Pinterest, Gusto. I could go on and on, but I think you're getting the point. And she's also worked with over 20,000 practitioners worldwide and over 200 events from China to India, the Middle East, Europe, and North America. I think we're in good hands today to learn from Lisa. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me here. And I'm very excited to put you in the spotlight and dig into this really timely and super important topic. Yeah, thank you, Melanie. I'm so happy to be here. And uh, especially because I know you also resonate with this topic. So it's fun to be in conversation with you. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting. Some people automatically get why they need to know their ROI and why it's important to be able to speak to the ROI. And some people are like, it's like a new concept. And so as you're listening in today, amplifiers, I really want you to think about like, where can you apply these concepts into your business and your life? So first of all, give me just a little bit of background how, well, I think we got a sense of how you got started here, but how did you come to the point where you decided to make your business about measuring ROI? Yeah, good question. Well, I have a few turning points throughout my career where I that led me to where I am today. And one of the main turning points was when I joined that Bill Gates owned global media company. When I first joined that company, all of our senior executives had an executive coach. They loved coaching. The CEO said, everybody needs to have a coach. We knew the names of the coaches. We would see them in the hallways. Coaching was highly embraced. And then about three months after I joined that company, our industry, the media industry, started feeling the impacts of what was happening in the industry that we were in. And so we had to make some budget cuts, which you know, which I'm about to say next, which is that uh, we cut all of the coaching. And I couldn't understand why we were cutting coaching. It seemed like, gosh, now more than any other time, we would need our executive coaches to help our executives with the huge challenges that we're facing. And uh, what my manager, the head of HR said was, well, it's true that everybody loves their coaches and they love coaching, but we can't see the bottom line impact. And so because of that, we ended up cutting it. I was able to bring coaching back. And the way that I did it uh, was by running a coaching program really under the radar. And I coached um, a handful of people to solve a real business problem that the organization was facing, tracked and measured all of the impact, including financial, shared it with the CFO about nine months later. And uh, because of that, I was able to get my budget back and I was able to keep my team. I was able to also keep my job. I thought I was going to be losing my job when the budget was cut. And that was a major turning point where I realized how important uh, having data was for these kinds of hard to measure programs. This is so moving to me because as we know right now, uh, many of the entertainment industry is going through layoffs and cutbacks. And, you know, I think we're at a time economically where a lot of people are evaluating how they're spending money differently. And we've seen a huge shift energetically in how people buy in the coaching industry. And so I I think this is such an important piece of helping people articulate the value of things that are hard to show a value to. So I can't wait to get in and learn more about this from you. So you are really like bringing this into the coaching world. And, and I think this is um, 
this is one of those uh, measurements that every coach needs to know. So why as a coach, do I need to be able to showcase the ROI of investing in me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. And I love that you, I love that you've asked that, and especially you, Melanie, because I've heard you talk about the importance of ROI, uh, specifically when it comes to thinking about being on podcasts and recognizing that you want to have a podcast that's a good fit for you because you want to see your ROI in it. So just like as business owners, we would think about our own ROI when we're investing our time and our energy and our financial resources. Our clients think about that too. And, you know, often I think in coaching, we feel like, well, it's so obvious that coaching is working. Why do we need to measure? And I'd love to, I'd like to share a story of something that happened recently. It was with uh, one of our subscribers who has subscribed to our system and leverages our system. And she had been working with a client who was a, a senior executive in an organization and had been working with her for six months and had seen huge transformation and change in this person uh, that her client was also commenting on all the positive changes and was very positive about her experience with this coach. And so when it came to the end of this engagement, the coach naturally thought, well, this engagement will, will renew. And because she was so confident that the client was getting so much out of the experience, she didn't measure the overall impact of that engagement. So that when she got to the end of that engagement, the client decided not to re-engage with her. And when she asked her why, she said, well, I think the experience is great, but I can't see an overall tangible impact that would justify spending another $20,000 with you for the next six months. So there was a case where um, the coach even knows how to measure, but thought, oh, it's so obvious that it's working. I don't need to measure. And in the end, she missed out on that renewal because of it. Yeah, I see that happen all the time, all the time. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's get a little bit deeper in this because I, I want, I, I, my, my brain's already starting to roll through, okay, what are all the ways that we can make it easy to showcase our ROI to a potential client? I think I saw that you actually have three ways that you teach your clients how to do this. So would you mind sharing a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so there, are, I do think of three ways that coaches can measure. And if you think about the sort of the life cycle of the experience that you have with your client, there's three points within that life cycle where you can bring ROI into that engagement to really leverage the most overlooked business development strategy, which is leveraging your client results. And the first way is throughout the sales conversation and how you show your value. Typically, we think of case summaries and case studies, value propositions, those kinds of things to illustrate the value that you can bring to anybody who's deciding whether to invest with you. So that's the first place. Uh, the second place or the second way is once you've engaged with your client. And so whether you're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching engagements or you're selling uh, larger programs, let's say team coaching or group coaching to an organization, uh, the second way that you can um, show your value or the second way to really illustrate 
to make it easy for clients is through building your authority. Most of our clients do not know what to measure. So when you bring the expertise about what can be measured that's compelling and illustrates the overall value and impact, you build your authority. And by building your authority, you can begin to seed and influence that client organization so that you can start to uh, plant the seed that you would expand your work within that organization. And then the third way, or really the third place, is in growing your impact at the end of the engagement. So at the end of the engagement, you have all of your client success data. You want to be able to leverage that, share your success either inside that organization or outside that organization by leveraging your client networks to expand the number of new leads, new business that's coming to you, and you can start the cycle all over again. I have a couple of follow-up questions on this one. Um, I want to dig just a little bit deeper because this is so good. First of all, how important is it to really understand the like the like the weight or the impact of the goals they're setting when starting uh, that coaching journey as it relates to measuring ROI? And I'm just mm-hmm. kind of curious what you've seen happening when you measure ROI. Like, do they factor that in? Yeah. You mean the goals, the goals that they're working on in the coaching engagement? Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you for articulating yeah. that a little better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, good question. So, uh, you know, I've been doing this work for a long time and my background is in experimental psychology. So I have this research background. When I first started, I measured everything. And what I found was that not every data point is compelling. So today, the only things that we measure are behavioral transformation and financial impact. So we don't even measure goals. Uh, Mm -hmm. We could measure goals if we wanted to, but I have found that showing the financial payoff as well as showing the the behavioral changes related to skills, growth in specific skills, that tends to be the most compelling set of data to share back to decision makers. Love that. And so second question was a follow-up question. I'm imagining some of my clients who have more esoteric offers, right? There's There are more softer skills. They're not measuring things that really tie back, at least in their mind, to some kind of financial outcome. What kind of advice would you have for someone who find who who that's more the work that they're doing and they really struggle with tying it back to some kind of a financial improvement? Yeah, Uh, great question. Everything can be measured. If you think about it, our breath, which seems like vague and um, ethereal can be measured. (laughs) Everything Mm -hmm. can be measured. And so if you're, let's say a life coach, or you are a wellness coach, or you help, um, your clients with mindset can think about, well, what are the, what are the ripple effects of those transformations? If you're working with somebody, let's say on growth mindset, and they're shifting the ways that they look at the world, they're more open, they're more flexible, they're willing to experiment, try new things, take risk. So the ripple effect of that change might be that they innovate something new, they bring a new idea to an organization. Those are the ways that you can start to open up and think about how those things that are hard to measure actually could be measured by looking at the ripple effect of those. 
Mm. Uh, such so such perfectly said. Was that the right language? <laughs> so perfectly said, not such perfectly said. <laughs> Four interviews in today, and my brain's starting to get a little bushy. Sorry about that. So what I find is the the like you can have an esoteric or softer skill, but like you said, like having a way to show them how it's going to get them something they want and measure that, that's that oftentimes can be what moves them, moves a potential client from being on the fence to like a big yes. So right. really, is this is a skill, but it's also something that you have assets that you can help people gather that will help them showcase this, right? Absolutely. So two points on that, Melanie. And the first is that, you know, so many coaches are looking for ways to expand, sustain, grow their business, uh, generate consistent revenue. And the most overlooked opportunity is to leverage your client results. It's right there. It's under your nose. Capture the data, leverage it in all of those three points of the client life cycle. That will help build consistent revenue. So that's the first first idea around the value of having the data. The second is the most overlooked person in this whole uh, in this whole dynamic, the most overlooked person who values that data is the client. So if you're working with clients who have a job, whether they're paying you out of their own pocket or the company is paying you for their coaching, that person is most likely motivated to better navigate their career conversations, their performance reviews, their pay increases, their bonuses. And the best way for them to do that is to have some evidence and data that they can lean into to share in those conversations. Then they really own those conversations. And if you're not if you're not helping them, equipping them with the data, they have nothing they can lean into to feel empowered to navigate those conversations. Yeah. So I, you might have touched on this a little bit, but uh, my brain's surfacing it as a question. So I'm just going to put it out there because maybe other people are thinking this too. You know, when do you think is the right time to bring these measurements back to a client to make sure that like, because what's screaming in my head is that client who was getting a great experience, but they weren't connecting to the value. So, you know, are there kind of measurement points that we want to bring these ROI conversations to our client to keep them engaged, to keep them seeing that value? Yeah. Um, there are, I can think of, you know, three places where you would bring some kind of measurement to the conversation. And the first would be in the sales conversation before they've, before the client or their sponsor, whoever's paying before they've actually made the decision and identifying what would success look like and how will we measure that? What are some of the success measures that we're going to be looking at? So that would be the first place that's setting the stage, setting the expectation. And it's also um, bringing in accountability for the work that you're going to do with that person. The second place is when you're engaged in the work and you're starting to develop the plan that that person is working towards, whether you call it a coaching plan or a development plan or a learning plan, or maybe you're just calling it the goals that they're working towards. That's a second place where you can bring in more of the conversation around measures Specifically, you can start to have what I call the money talk, which is the conversation framework that helps you begin to connect the changes that they're looking for to real financial measures. You might not land on those financial measures at that stage, but you can start to bring it to the conversation. 
That's the second place. The third place where you can bring the measurement conversation into play is in the debrief at the very end. So now you're looking back to identify what are all the ways that this person has changed by working with you? Can you provide some ratings on that change, progress or growth? And then also I encourage you to have the money talk conversation to quantify, put a financial value on the ripple effect of those changes. That's so powerful. I love that. It's it's an exciting opportunity that's emerging here, especially um, if you're a coach where maybe that's been a little slippery for you and you haven't been quite being able to bring that point home. These are some really actionable pieces. Um, okay. Uh, I'm also thinking about how does this play out before somebody becomes your client? You know, that moment where maybe they're evaluating different coaches for Mm -hmm. themselves or they're even evaluating, can they afford coaching right now? How might we bring some of this into the um, conversation we're having to evaluate if they're the right client for you? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I think there's a couple of places. One is what I call the ROI power statement. It's really a value proposition. So being able to articulate the kind of person that you work with, the kinds of challenges or problems that you help them with, and then a quick example of the results that you get. The value of having a statement like that is that it attracts the right fit clients to you. So you're not having sales conversations with people who really don't fit to what it is that you have to offer. That's one place. The other thing you can start to do is in the sales conversation, you can have that money talk conversation to look at what are the problems or the challenges? What's the what's the current situation all about? What What is it that they want to change? And then begin to unpack what would be the impact of that change to them personally so that you can start to understand what is this problem, whatever, whatever it is that they're facing that they want to change, what's it costing them? And if you can put a dollar value on the cost of that problem, you start to scope out the size of this opportunity. So if you're working with people who are paying you out of their own pocket, you might discover that you could actually charge a higher fee than what you currently are because the the size of the problem, if you help them fix that problem, it has so much financial value to them. If you're working with an organization, uh, you might be able to scope out the problem at a much larger uh, level size, a much larger uh, size of a problem with a much bigger dollar value attached to it not only can you increase your fees, but you might also discover that it's a combination of coaching, training, maybe some consulting that would help them with that problem. And you can price it in alignment with the size of the, or the size of the cost of the problem. Mm. Yeah. Well said. I'm glad you painted that picture for us a little bit better because I think there's a lot of value to really being able to, as you call it, be in that power statement uh, so that you can help people make the best decisions for them, but also maybe get them past a little bit of that resistance or fear that comes up when they're about to make a big investment in their future success. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. So I want to pivot just a little bit in our conversation because as somebody who's obviously very um, integrated into the coaching community, I've been coaching since 2000, you know, we've seen a lot of change in the industry 
And there's a lot of coaches in our marketplace right now and people calling themselves coaches, people selling coaching. Do you feel like our marketplace is saturated and where do you see our industry going? Yeah. You know, this has to be a conversation topic that I hear probably weekly and you probably do too, or you probably yes. you might even be thinking about it. And like you, I've been in this industry for a long time. So I started coaching in 1999. Uh, so we've we've both seen we've both seen a lot evolve over that time. I feel like um, I feel like we're in exciting time in an exciting time, and I also feel like we're in a time where coaching. I feel like it's going to change, and I don't know that it's saturated, but I feel like there will be a shift in the way that coaching works. So if you look at sort of what's happening in the world right now, we know that six trillion dollars is spent on either skill development, education, uh, either personal or professional. So a lot of money is being spent on development programs, education programs. But this skills gap is bigger than we have ever seen. Organizations are scrambling for solutions to help close the skills gap. It doesn't make sense. We've spent so much and the skills gap is so wide. And I feel like our good friend AI <laughs> is about to, uh, I don't even know if about to is the right term. I think it has started to fill the gap. I think AI is actually a great solution, a, a great talent development solution to help close the skills gap on, on very specific behavior changes and skills that people need. It can provide immediate feedback for people. So I feel like it's going to take up the role that coaches used to predominantly play, which was around leadership skill development. I feel like AI is going to take some of that over. But I also feel like what's going to open up even bigger is an opportunity for coaches to provide um, the human element, uh, the the um, have be more community oriented, uh, create more of that human connection. I feel like there will be a greater hunger for that type of coaching. So I actually feel like life coaching could grow as a res as a result of some of the shifts. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm I'm on board with that vision. That works for me. <laughs> I I think uh, you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation the. Um, you know, when you're working inside that organization that everybody had a coach. And when I originally started in coaching, and maybe you remember Thomas Leonard, that was his vision that every human being would have their their ability to have their own coach and to make coaching that accessible and that integrated into society as a norm. And so, you know, I think we're maybe getting there. So interesting it times. Be. It could be. Yeah. So uh, I know our Amplify community is going to be hungry and just so uh, inspired by what we're talking about. They're going to be hungry for a next step with you. What is uh, the best resource that you might share with them to help them take these ideas and really put them into action? Yeah, the best place to start is with that money talk. And you can download the money talk. There's a worksheet. I think it's about five pages. It's a five-step conversation framework, no differently than the GROW model was a conversation framework or is a conversation framework. So it's conversation framework. There's a worksheet that you can use. You can even type in there and take notes inside the worksheet. 
start practicing with that. Start bringing the money talk conversation to the end of your coaching debriefs and discover, see, experiment to see if you can put a financial value on the changes that your clients experience by working with you. That's the best place to start. Hmm. And do you have a URL for that? I, I will link it up in the show notes, but if you have it to be said, that would be great. Yeah, it's uh, www.the-money-talk.com. Perfect. Thank you. Well, this is the fun part for me. I mean, I've loved everything we've talked about, but I always enjoy getting to know you a little bit more. What would you say is the boldest thing you've done up to now that has, that will, or that did amplify the success of your business? Yeah. The boldest thing was investing in developing our technology. <laughs> it was uh, sort of a leap of faith. It was a wild bet. I wasn't sure it would work. We experimented quite a bit before we invested very much money into it. Now we're making even a greater investment and we're adding AI to what we're doing. Uh, but that was my, that was the boldest thing I've done so far. And I'm thinking I'll do more bold things. <laughs> Bold has a lot of power to it, so it I highly recommend it. <laughs> it's a catalyst. Okay, last question. If you were to look back from today to the beginning, what is one thing you wish you would have done sooner because now you know how impactful mm. it was? Mm -hmm. Oh, Melanie, I think it goes back to the question you just asked me, which is being bold because it's so easy to play it safe and stay comfortable but you really do not have the big wins if you don't go bold. Well said, a perfect place to end. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me today. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com, and I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going, and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name, and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 